frontline communities in Washington State have a voice at the 2022 UN Climate Conference in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt. This month, as farmworker advocate Edgar Franks joins a delegation of U.S.-based workers and environmental justice leaders to bear witness at this annual meeting and strategize with advocates from around the globe. In collaboration with Rainier Avenue Radio, Environmental Justice Coalition Front and Standard is producing this local to global report on the front lines. Hi everyone, this is Jill Mangaliman, stationed here in the Pacific Northwest as your climate justice storyteller, and I'm kicking off Front and Standard's frontline reporting in Sharm El Sheikh, Egypt, where folks are gathering for people on the planet at the UN 27th Conference on Climate Change. This is Crash the Cop 27 with Jill and Edgar. Shout out to Rainier Avenue Radio. Special thanks to Tony B and his team at Rainier Avenue Radio for broadcasting our frontline community reporting. And shout out to Environmental Justice Coalition Front End Centered for producing this local to global report on the front lines. Welcome to the On the Front Lines special edition, Crash Cop 27 with Jill and Edgar. This is our first episode. Edgar yeah, is on the How's it going? Good. Uh, right now, we are in Istanbul, uh, waiting to catch our flight to Sharm El Sheikh. Uh, we've, I will, we've been on the road uh, since November 3rd, uh, 2 o'clock, 2.30 p.m. Uh, West Coast time. Um, and right now it is, uh, uh, I don't know, what is it, Friday? Friday, 11 p.m. here in Istanbul. Waiting, our flight leaves like in an hour, and we should get in Egypt like at 1.30 a.m. Wow. I'm, that's a yeah. But it's been good. We met up with the other, like along the way, we've been meeting up with the other delegation members so we have norman from the the steel workers from uh orange county in california nona uh, from torrance california who uh is part of the just transition alliance and uh tyler who is uh, based in wisconsin that also is part of the just transition alliance and jose bravo who's the executive director and kind of put the delegation together that's awesome sounds like a very powerful crew of folks uh, you're traveling with uh and yeah just just for folks to know like what is a cop my okay well is a convening of parties yes the cop is a uh, it's it's through the united nations uh convention on climate change so the cop actually means uh the conference of parties it's a meeting that is held uh well now it's every year in places around the world where governments and, um, um, you know, now business interests and all these people um, that have, um, and scientists get together and discuss to see if there's a, a framework that everybody can work around uh, to address climate change. Um, so this will be the 27th installment of this. It's here in, it's going to be in Sharm El Sheikh, which is uh, kind of a resort town on the Red Sea in Egypt. And uh, I think this is uh, a very pivotal one uh, from kind of the, the what we've been hearing around here because a lot of it is going to be addressing uh, climate financing. So like what's the role and responsibilities of 
of countries that have caused the most, emitted the most pollution and contributed to climate change? Like what is their responsibilities economically to, to finance and put up money to address the, the hurt that has been done to countries that have been bearing the brunt of climate change? So a lot of the global South countries, a lot of indigenous uh, communities have been hurt. So there's gonna be a big talk on this uh, climate financing. But, you know, I think that's one part of it. But then, you know, there's a lot of like dealing that happens of like how that financing actually happens. And if that money is ever going to be raised and distributed in an equitable manner, you know, like fossil fuel co companies have a, a lot of to say um, about the financing. Um, a lot of the things are you know, a lot of decisions are non-binding, so there's no real obligation for countries or anybody to follow them. There, it's kind of also a big, um, it's working off of what happened in Paris in 2015, where they had a kind of like, where they first kind of were trying to globalize like market mechanisms as a way to address climate change. Um, so this is will also be kind of like a, a big report to see whether or not those mechanisms have that have been put in place actually work. Um, and if that's what communities really want. So, and we've been saying that there is no way that a market mechanism that still only that does not leave fossil fuels in the ground uh, will not work for, for communities. So this is still kind of a continuation of those processes and dialogues that have been happening but with more urgency now because of the climate crisis and just how fast everything has been has been changing. So it's it's an important time to be here and this COP. Yeah, I mean it makes sense that um, you know reparations or you know redistribution uh, um, is is the way to go. I remember in 2013 when there was the super typhoon. Haiyan, or some people know mm -hmm. as the Alana, like the largest typhoon in the Philippines, thousands dead. It's it's actually the anniversary is around this time in November. Mm -hmm, right. Um, I think it was like you know thirteen thousand people killed. Um, and I remember the, the prime minister of the Philippines uh, at the UN was like, you know, we need we need the first world countries to pay up. You know, like you've done so much damage to our country, and now we're, we have to rebuild and. Um, and then, like you said, in 2015, that's when um, there was such pushing for uh, carbon offsets or red right, or right. You know, these market mechanisms. And to this day, we still haven't seen that money um, get to the people who need it. Um, people are still like rebuilding or still poor or, you know, that money's, you know, held up in, in, in corruption. Um, like, yeah, like, why is the Amazon still burning if these carbon offsets actually work? They don't mm -hmm. work like someone is pocketing that money and still burning up the yeah. rainforest. Right. And, so, and that was like another thing, right? The the whole the whole idea or the talk about uh, net zero, that net zero is supposed to be like this. It's kind of like this rebranding of how uh, polluters can just say like, oh, we're going to buy like a million trees or plant a million trees to offset all of our pollution when all the science that has been coming out is showing that offsets don't don't have the the outcomes that were uh, expected um 
that the only way to, you know, like to stop or to kind of just deal with it is to stop polluting altogether and stop extracting. Um, and I think there's been, you know, science uh, report after science report saying all this, but just the power of the fossil fuel companies are still are still there and and you know they draft a lot of these the language in the that the globe uses and a lot of our countries use and now in Washington state we also use market mechanisms so you know this is a it's a hard fight um, and again yeah even even if the designs are well intentioned the the corruption and greed always always come out on top where people that have been their communities have been devastated have to always be cleaning up or dealing or just staying there or having to be forced to move so yeah the the red uh issue that you brought up um it's um r-e-d-d -D. it's one of those mechanisms right where the like corporations can buy up try to buy up forests and then like even if there was indigenous people there living there they can just kick out all the indigenous people and then that forest supposedly is going to be preserved but now what they've been finding is that those forests have been cutting being cut down or burnt um and then what they've cut down and all these things are, can be used as carbon offsets because it can be used like for carbon char or what is it a uh, biochar and all these other like all the fancy terms that they use for when like, they burn forests or cut them down and sell them as like eco-friendly products so it's always like a, a weird rebranding of how um, all these happens and then you know they're how they convince everybody that this is good for the earth but but we're seeing that it's not and net zero and all these other things and all these trees that are promised to be getting planted i mean they're good ideas we should be planting more trees but the only way to stop all of it is to just leave fossil fuels in the ground yeah that's why um the motto i, I hear like a lot of the plant justice always just keep it in the ground because uh, they can't afford to keep digging and dumping and burning yeah uh, we're already feeling the impacts from 50 years ago like this the the atmosphere is already wrecked, you know, like people, uh, people has uh, health issues now, there's more diseases. Um, it's all connected, though, to like, uh, the the pollution and the, the um, destruction of the environment. And this, you know, greedy, greedy economy we have in corporations uh, who can't, uh, what's the word like, uh, satisfy their thirst, <laughs> I guess, for profit. Yeah. Um, right, but I'm, I'm glad that you're representing us uh, uh, in the Northwest once again because you were at the COP last year in Glasgow. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, in, in, in Scotland. And uh, thanks for the scotch <laughs> that you brought back and the stories. <laughs> uh, folks should check out our first season, uh, Crash COP 26, if you want to see the highlights there. So you're going to be there until how long? How are you going to be? How long is um, this call? I will be here until the eighth. The 18th is the final day, and I head back home the 19th. Well, right on. That sounds sounds like a journey. Yeah. And then there's yeah. going to be, like, activities every day. Uh, yes. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, so this is our first show, just kind of laying out 
where, uh, you know, depending on our internet connection, um, I'll be, uh, we're, we'll, well, you and I will be recording this show and keeping folks updated, um, putting up pictures on the website and social media and maybe it's like some little blog entries. We'll be collecting interviews from other participants from our delegation and if there's speeches and other rallies, we'll try to get audio and images for that so people can see what's happening on this side of the world. Nice. Yeah, if you read it, also, like, if you see any locals, to ask them, like, what they think about all this, too, like, since they, you know, the host folks there, I, I'm not sure how big of a deal these um, conferences are, like, or how much they engage the local communities or take up their issues. Yeah. Because um, my understanding, these things are, are mostly, like, corporations and government people, yeah? Like, you're not yes. even, like, officially invited. <laughs> <laughs> not to negotiate no but we do present uh, where there's a global audience where we do do panels and uh sessions and all these other things where people from even delegates from the negotiations can listen in but the actual negotiations you only you have to get like a special badge to participate what are these negotiations for are they like resolutions or um, that's kind of like you know that's where yeah, basically, that's where, you know, can, like countries be like, oh, you know, we'll offer you so-and-so millions or if you like sell us part of your forest for offsetting. And so, you know, um, you know, set the plan of like the timelines of like, oh, if we want to stay at 1.5, this is what each country has to do. Yeah, so all those, all those little details, um, whether or not they're going to like recognize their rights of indigenous people and, you know, all these like, important things that um, that need to happen, that's where they decide. Yeah, I remember last year too, you you happened to run into Secretary of State John Kerry and then you like give yeah. him a handbook about indigenous rights. Hopefully he read it. Yeah, it was the, <laughs> if people actually, they can look for it online. And we actually have some of these hard copies at our Familias Unidas office. Um, it's called Hoodwinked in the Hot House. And it's a publication with a lot of the organizations here uh, where they break down um, a lot of the false solutions. Um, so it's, it's very, you know, it has art. It breaks down all these complicated schemes into terms that we can understand. So we gave them a book of uh, Hoodwinked in the Hot House. Um, the big deal this year with John Kerry was that he was not going to fly his own private airplane, was that he was going to fly commercial. So um, we'll see if we can find them in one of these airplanes that are going to fly into Egypt and, and say oh, hello wow. to him. So he's going to fly with the, the, the common folks, with everyday people? <laughs> right. Good. Yeah, we, we were joking around. He's probably, we were like, he's probably going to just buy out the whole plane. So it's just him. So, but on a commercial airplane. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild though. Like I remember during the pandemic, uh, one of the big bills was to support the aviation um, industry because no one was flying. I mean, yes, there was a pandemic, you know, people were trying to stay safe, but so much money was poured into uh, saving uh, the aviation. And, you know, there were flying airplanes that were empty uh, during that yeah. time, and, you know? Uh, and yeah, no, major billions, billions were given to the aviation industry to keep them afloat. 
And they, and meanwhile, they're like, you know, dropping uh, pollution over, they fly, their flight paths are over uh, people of color, working class neighborhoods, um, including including my neighborhood. You can just hear a plane every five minutes <laughs> fly over our head, uh, noise and air pollution um, day in, day out. Kind of messes with your head too, like the sound. Yeah. Well, I just remember also, I think, it, was it in the Climate Commitment Act that they also excluded aviation from any kind of reporting or doing anything to stop polluting? I, I can't remember, but I thought that was Are something like exempted? climate. <laughs> I thought they, they were one of the exempted industries. Um, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, yeah, they're, they're considered a high intensity, you know, trade in like industry of sorts. Uh, but yeah, I also am, um, I'm curious, like, you know, while you're there, I know that the just transition delegation you're a part of represents workers and people of color, indigenous folk, but will there be others? Uh, how much, yes. you know, are you all the only one? There will be, so it's all parts of a bigger delegation. It's called the It Takes Roots delegation. And that's a formation of the Just Transition Alliance, Grassroots Global Justice, Climate Justice Alliance, Indigenous Environmental, Environmental Network, uh, Indigenous Climate Action. They're from Canada and right to the city. Also Florida Jobs with Justice are also part of the, the, the bigger delegation that It Takes Roots. So yeah, we're gonna have a, a big kind of contingent showing up in charm. And everybody addresses different things. Like there's like people that address like uh, militarization and uh, housing and indigenous people's rights and workers. So um, there's a, uh, you know, like what does a feminist economy look like? So there's a, a whole bunch of different points of view um, and different uh, lenses that people look the, at the climate crisis and the solutions. So I think that's what makes the delegation really unique and really powerful. And so we, we've been saying a few times, like the term just transition. Uh, let, let's break it down for folks. But this is the first time you're hearing about it. It's a, a concept, um, you know, around uh, moving away from a fossil fuel uh, economy to one uh, that is just, that is uh, regenerative. Uh, right. Yeah. You want to talk some more about it? Yeah, so, you know, the concept and the idea of uh, a just transition was, has been around since like the 70s where um, the chemical and atomic workers um, were, you know, realizing that they were producing some of the most dangerous substances uh, in Earth. And what was the role of workers to, to stop that? And also um, how do these hold these corporations accountable so they can... Uh, clean up the damage that has been done. So that was kind of like the foundations of a just transition framework. Um, the way that we use it now is it, it borrows off a lot of those principles um, and expands on it, right? Like to really look into what the economy is that we have now that's extractive. You know, you said the dig, burn, and dump economy. Um, look at what worldview is, is has to be built to uphold 
um, this this system? You know, what kind of economic system? What kind of values? How our work looks like? Our governance systems? Um, all these different pillars that uphold the extractive economy. And then also, if we know that is like the thing that's causing us harm, like what do we do to shift all those pillars into something that is that instead of killing us will uh, will sustain life um so again looking at work whether it be should be for competition and profits or for cooperation and creating regenerative uh jobs or regenerative things that really build up the world not destroy it so the just transition framework is 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 one of the things that we um how we when we talk about climate change or labor or systems change we look at through it as a through a just transition frame and where people you know usually we saw it during covid and almost every crisis about how people some people um are basically able to get sacrificed to uphold the system in a just transition we we don't do that like we take everybody uh, we value everybody as equals, um, as with you know, we recognize their humanity. So there are no no people that get sacrificed to uphold like a capitalist system that's gonna destroy us all. So that's another component of a just transition framework. Um, here, actually, now that you mentioned it, there will be and there's a pavilion here where they have uh, displays like from every country and different different themes. The just transition is in kind of like like almost everything else is in danger of being co-opted by corporations so how uh, they're talking about just transition they're like okay we don't want coal all right well let's uh let's build nuclear power plants right? things like these these things that actually don't help in the long run um so we have to always like also defend um what just trans a real just transition looks like through a community lens Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like how, I mean, we saw that happen here in Washington, how uh, these like social justice, climate justice, just transition are being co-opted locally. And so it's only a matter of time that, uh, yeah, that uh, these uh, corporations are going to try to rebrand these concepts or take these concepts. Um, but yeah, thank you for fighting the good fight. Um, let me know when you, you get to, to uh, Egypt. Um, yes. And yeah, we'll, we'll get uh, the reports day in, day out here on Crash the Cop, episode one. Yeah. Are you going to do anything? Yeah. Soon? Yeah, we're going to. Uh, so um, we couldn't get enough veggies for everybody to go in all at the same date. So we kind of had to split them up. So what we're going to do is like part of the group is going to go in the first couple of days and then a group to close us out. So I'm on the second group. So for the first couple of days, you know, people will be, you know, checking out the sites or talking around the communities and see what's going on. And we'll also like just be listening in to what's happening. Um, but yeah, more, I get to be on more to, um, towards the end where I'll be actually into the, what they call the blue zone where a lot of the, the delegates are at and the conversations happen and the green zone where there'll be actions almost every day 
Um, and from there, we can talk to some of the people that are helping organize in the green zone and the blue zone and get some audio and um, interviews with the folks there. Uh, sounds really exciting. Take lots of pictures. Yes, uh, we will. <laughs> okay, well, I think this is a good place to leave off. Um, uh, safe travels, friend. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you, Jill. This reporting of COP27 is part of a collaboration with Rainier Avenue Radio and is also part of a new environmental justice podcast, On the Front Lines. The first season of On the Front Lines explores people's movements in the Philippines, cooperative farms, frontline community health in Washington, the dangers or false solutions such as nuclear energy and carbon markets, the promise of the Just Transition Framework, and a project celebrating the untold stories of Nikkei farmers in Bellevue. Ten episodes feature local and global guests, including frontline advocates, organizers, workers, filmmakers, artists, and more. Look for the podcast via website at frontendsummer.org or search for On the Front Lines, available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Anyways, that's all for now. See you soon on Crash the Cop with Jill Negger.